Welcome along to another Monday podcast with Know My Faith, and my guest uh, this week is Nigel Christensen from Celebrate Messiah. Shall we say that, Nigel? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. All right. What's your role with Celebrate Messiah? Uh, so here within New Zealand, my role is uh, based in the North Island, uh, and at, largely at this point, I'm doing uh, itinerant Bible teaching. I travel around the North Island, uh, different denominations, and do Bible teaching which has, I guess, the, the perspective of a messianic perspective. So, yeah. and just to simplify define, that. Define, we, we talked about this last yeah, week with, yeah, with the so, term messianic. So define what you exactly. mean by a so messianic perspective. When I'm talking about that, I'm relating to the passage where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. And he's with the two and the, he reveals to them how all of the scriptures, so Moses, the prophets, all the scriptures, they all point to Jesus. So when I mean messianic, what I'm meaning is I'm showing how things point to Jesus. How does the Old Testament prophesy about Jesus or give typologies, which is types of how that point to who Jesus is and what he would do? All right. You're not Jewish yourself? No, I'm not Jewish. Uh, I, my connection really begins with my father, who meant, uh, he entered into Jewish ministry in the early 70s. And he's still currently uh, in Jewish ministry. So we're closing in on 50 years now since he began. Uh, and so I grew up as an, I'm not a Jewish person, but as I said, I, I grew up in a house where my father would do Passovers uh, from the late 70s, early, early 80s, which pointed to Messiah. Okay. I, I would calculate, uh, I wouldn't be too far wrong to say that by the time I was a young adult, because he did several a year. I would have done a lifetime's worth of Passovers. So several Passovers a year. That's not quite biblical. I think there's only one per year. Exactly. But So he was traveling around churches a little bit what, like, like what I do now. And yep. so he'd be doing several each, each Passover season. He'd be going around doing what they call a deputation, which is effectively right. traveling around churches. Yeah. So it's, it's surprising that you and I haven't actually bumped into each other as we're traveling around speaking in these different churches. Well, we have. We did bump into each other in Tauranga. Well, that's true. Yes. There you go. Except I wasn't speaking there, but that's all right. Uh, And we want to look at Passover uh, shortly, just delve into that messianic look at things. But um, for some of the people listening and watching at the moment, what is Celebrate Messiah? Okay. So Celebrate Messiah was uh, formed following the vision of our current director, who's actually moving back to the States shortly, uh, Scott Brown. And he came to New Zealand with a vision to reach Jewish Israeli travelers with the message of the gospel, with the message of Messiah. And what he found was there was a tremendous opportunity to do that through what we would call hospitality evangelism. So that's effectively he was providing, uh, in this case now we provide three days free accommodation in the Wanaka area for Israeli travelers. Of course, that's highly sought after. It's a a pretty uh, expensive area otherwise. And so this has enabled us to be able to engage with Israelis. And the first part of the vision of the organization is to bring the message of Messiah to those original messengers. That's the Israelis, the Jewish people, and that's how we do it, through that, All right. through that means. So which is similar in some ways to what uh, Know My Faith is doing. We're concentrating more on those that are hosting. Right. Uh, and and, and of obviously others as well, but, but in bringing forth a greater understanding of that 
Jewishness of our scriptures. Mm. And one of the things, I mean, let's transition into Passover and talk about that, because I was talking to somebody yesterday and saying one of the things, the difference between the understanding of the Jewish understanding of things and the Greek, which is our Western mindset, Mm. is that the, the Jewish understanding is that you understand it by doing it. You don't understand it by reading about it and, right. and figuring it all out. Now, yeah. if you've done all these lifetimes worth of Passovers <laughs> as a non-Jewish Christian, yeah, um, your understanding of Passover from a, a Gentile perspective must be reasonably good, I would think. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I have to be honest that when I was a child, I didn't always appreciate as a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old the four-hour Passovers that I might have to sit through. <laughs> so, you know, I can't say that I, I soaked it all in and it just, you know. Uh, but I, I guess it was just a different uh, opportunity that is not common for someone who's not Jewish. And, and what I came to understand is what I guess the conclusion of that is I knew at some point God was going to tap me on the shoulder and say, that's no accident. I had a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And head hence where i am now i'm the one doing in this case three passovers this year (laughs) okay so yeah it's essentially um it was just an opportunity that wasn't usually available to someone who's not jewish all right, well, let's go right back to the beginning. Uh, Passover, I mean, most of us know that the, the original Passover was the times of Moses, the Exodus, the yep. great story, Charlton Heston and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and it, it, it foretold Jesus's death on the cross Absolutely. at what most of us would call Easter. Yes, yes, correct, yeah. 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 So although it did set the people of Israel free from Egypt, um, should we look at some of the, the, the typology in there? Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things that it even predates even the Exodus. We can actually go back to Genesis. Um, in Genesis, we see a couple of things. First of all, in Genesis chapter 15, when he's making his covenant with Abraham, God actually tells Abraham that there's a coming time when his people enter into slavery, basically being servants, for a period of about 400 years. Now, that's an interesting place to put such a statement. I'm making this covenant with you, Abraham, just to let you know there's some bad times ahead. I'm giving you the land. You and your descendants forever, I'm giving the land. Oh, by the way, exactly, you're going to be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Absolutely. So it's interesting because this is all setting up the scene of the Exodus. This is centuries beforehand. Yeah. And so interesting, also in Abraham's own lifetime, of course, we have the offering of Isaac and how God intervenes on that occasion with a ram. But of course, Abraham's wording is God will provide himself the lamb. Yeah, we've talked about that before. It's very specific wording in the Hebrew. He's not saying God will provide a lamb or a ram. He says God will provide himself exactly and you can put to make it more understandable for us as english speakers you could put the word as in there yes god will provide himself as the sacrifice around exactly so you see see all of this stuff is being put in place even before we get to the passover yeah and it's all see that picture there is again it's a substitutionary sacrifice so, so in other words this innocent ram is taking the place of isaac who is the who's the one who comes before Israel, of course, 
Yeah. And so we're, we're sort of almost seeing a repeat image here. It's God, and because as you would understand, anytime God repeats something in scripture, there's a reason. He's yes. trying to get your attention. This is important. Pay attention. So we've, we've got Abraham with Isaac. We've got God's promise, the fact that there'll be 400 years. Uh, we know Joseph went down into Egypt, the whole story of that at the, at the end of the book yep. of Genesis. And then we come to Exodus, the people in there, and uh, Moses, the, the miracle of his upbringing. And I love the fact, I, I absolutely love the fact that Miriam is there at the waterside when Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and goes, oh, uh, should I go and get one of the Hebrew women to like breastfeed the baby for you? And so now instead of mum having to throw the baby in the in the water, mum's getting paid to bring up her own son. That's just, you know, that's God all over. I, I just, I, I love God's sense of humor. I think that's one thing yeah. that's often underrated my, I guess, more sort of academic people is the sense of humor that God has. Yeah, well, I mean, you talked before about the road to Emmaus. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Chuck Missler used to, used to um, it was one of his favorite parts, you know, where the two disciples are, are walking along and Jesus joins them. And he goes, oh, what are you chatting about? You know, and they said, oh, the, this, this thing goes, oh, what things that happened? Yeah. This year? <laughs> <laughs> tell me more. Do tell. Yeah. Do tell. Oh, do, really? Was, was there some big big event in Jerusalem this yeah. weekend? You know? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, anyway, so so Moses is, is brought up in the house of Pharaoh. We know all that. He goes off into the wilderness, yes. and God sends him back. Um, you know, sends him back, saying, "Tell Pharaoh, let my people go." We get sure. the ten plagues, and we get to that first Passover. And and get, just coming back, to, uh, even in the wilderness, Moses is given a foreshadowing of the firstborn, because God talks about the fact that Israel is God's firstborn. Born, his chosen people and so he's saying you, you've got a message for pharaoh let my people go otherwise he's going to lose his firstborn remembering of course that a previous pharaoh had already been involved with taking out large numbers of israeli males yes so we've got a again it's all being set up it's on different layers we've got abraham we've got moses before he even gets here god is, is painting this picture very clearly of a, um, a story of redemption, which will be, uh, in fact, until a future period of time, it's going, it is the highlight, as it were, of Israel's history. It, it's like a, a pinnacle. Mm. Yeah, we don't understand it because as for those of us that aren't Jews, this is a cultural thing. This is very, very important. And, yes. and for, for you and me as New Zealanders, we can sometimes <laughs> look at um, – probably the Maori side of things. Yep, yep. When you look at Parihaka and other bits and pieces, that's very, very much a part of their history. It's yes. the, the Exodus. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just to throw something in from the side, when we look at the cedar plate, which we'll discuss shortly uh, on the cedar mm -hmm. plate is this, is this roast egg, which sure. symbolizes the two temples being destroyed. Well, they weren't your temple or my temple. <laughs> no, so no. the whole thing means nothing to us, no. but to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, mm -hmm. The sacrifice of Isaac, the whole thing with Joseph, the whole thing with Pharaoh, that, that's so very, very important and yep. personal to them. So when they come to this Passover, there is, there's a greater connection with it. And I'm assuming a, a lot more, ah, I think I understand what God's doing stuff. Yeah, I, I guess if I was trying to make a relationship between the events of Passover and our culture in New Zealand, it would be around the events of World War One. So they say there's a saying out there that New Zealand essentially went from being a colony to a nation through the events of World War One. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've got the, the the bloodbaths of Gallipoli and and the trenches, and essentially it was these um, these horrific events that formed that sort of brought New Zealand forged yeah forged New Zealand through the through these these just absolutely uh, you know life changing events across our country. We see memorials everywhere to the yeah. First and Second World War. It just changed New Zealand forever. This is Israel's vision. This is how they became a nation. They went from, they went from being um, a, a hapu or a whanau to being a nation. Exactly. And this is, this is why it's so significant, because essentially it's these events that forge Israel as a nation. Yeah. And so we have lest we forget, you know. And essentially this is their version, Passover is, lest we forget, what God did and how radical that intervention was for us. So, uh, How early in the events of the actual Passover? I mean, do, for the for the average Christian, how early do we start going? Ah, I can see Jesus in this. I'm just just I'm not quite sure I'm on the same wavelength. Do you want to just restate? Just with 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 the events of the Passover, you've got yeah. the plagues. Right. You know, you've, we know the Passover night, the the blood on the doorpost, and we'll mm-hmm. go into all of that. But if we go back from that to the ten plagues beforehand, or the nine right. plagues beforehand, how early can the average Christian start actually seeing Jesus in the types in there? I think um, given now that you've got the New Testament as, as a believer, then I think that you can do that reasonably quickly. And essentially you can, you can start to do that. I think most clearly from the lamb, um, because once you get a lamb that is innocent, that is blameless without fault, yep. that is being sacrificed to take the place of another who will otherwise die then you are starting to paint a very clear picture, but then you can add something even clearer to that. And that is what happens to the blood of the lamb. So each household had to have a lamb killed for the household who was in that household, who was obeying the the commands of Moses. They would have to take a lamb and kill the lamb. Now, interestingly, they're told to kill the lamb in the threshold. It's also the same word for bowl. So yeah. that essentially means that they were to gather the blood at the base of the doorway. When they sacrificed the lamb, that's where they were to gather the blood, which makes sense because then they had to dip the hyssop into that blood and strike it on the doorposts either side and on the lintel in the top. Now, if you just stop and think about that for a second, that forms a cross with blood. Yeah. The four main points that we see Jesus being wounded in his hands, and his feet, and his crown of thorns. We also see with that the when you look at the two doorposts and the lintel is forms the letter. I think it's the letter het, right? Yeah. In Hebrew, and unlike English, uh, Hebrew the letters themselves they have numeric value, but they, yes. the letters actually have uh, a word or a meaning value with the letter, and the meaning mm. that goes along with the letter het is life. Yes. So. Yes. When they're told to paint the door lint, the, the doorposts and the lintels, it's like paint the letter life or the word Absolutely. life on and, the doorpost. And specifically it states in, in, in the Exodus account that this, this, what they did over the doors, this life, this cross of blood was to be a symbol for them. Yes. Oh, well, a symbol of what? <laughs> 
Oh, a symbol to remember backwards. Yeah, so what is it symbolizing? Well, it's a symbol, obviously, symbolically, typologically, that's pointing forward. So yeah. Already uh, an explanation there that this is a, a, a type, a picture of how God is going to provide redemption, not just for firstborn children, but for all of humanity. So yeah, powerful image. We, we miss that so much with the, again, because we, we are not, we Gentiles are not Israelites. We're not in the land. That's not our history. And no. we've had, sadly, as a Gentile church, we've had 2,000 years of having that historical side of it. We know yeah. the stories of Genesis. We know the stories of Exodus, but we don't relate them as, as much as maybe we should. No. No, I, I, and I think unfortunately there was a historical disconnect uh, in, from about 300, 400 AD between the church and um, the, the Jewish people. Uh, yeah. and that, I think you were a little bit earlier than that. The, yeah, um, the, the letter to Eusebius, if you've read the book, The uh, Writings of the Early Church Fathers, there's a letter to Eusebius, an unknown writer of it, but he's explaining Christianity to this guy, this Roman guy, Eusebius. And he said, well, we're not like the Greeks that put food out to their idols, you know, because stone idols can't eat food. And we're not like the, the Jews with their foolish uh, new moon festivals and their bodily mutilations and this. And you go, well, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Which, uh, this is like 130 AD. This is only around the time of the Bar Kokhba yeah, yeah. rebellion. We're already separating yeah. from anything to do. And so for, for the average Christian today, we have lost exactly. all this connect. You know, what, what I love, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about it. In, in, um, actually, I think it was, it was when I was doing communion at church. But in Luke, when Jesus talks about the Passover, and he says, with desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you. Mm. And we can just read that and you go, oh, Jesus was looking forward to having celebrating the Passover with the disciples. But when you think about it, you go, okay, number one, He's been with the disciples for three years. This yes. is either his third or fourth Absolutely. Passover with them. Yes, true. And secondly, he knows he's going to die today. <laughs> so, hey, I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, and yeah. you go, what does that mean? But again, when you look at the typology, the, the symbols that look forward sure. from, yeah. from Moses onward for 1,450, 1,500 years, they had been rehearsing you know, you've got a curtain behind you. Yes. I mean, I've done a lot of stage work, right? Yeah. You do rehearsals behind the curtain. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then comes opening night. Yes. Right? And yep. the curtain goes up. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples, he says, my whole reason for creating the world and human beings was to get myself a bride I could shower my love on. Yeah. And for 1,500 years you guys have been rehearsing for this particular Passover. Yeah. You have, no, this is where I get my bride. This is where <laughs> I, yes, it's going to cost me. That's the bride price. Yes. But you have no idea how much I've been looking forward to this Passover. Exactly. And what, what's also interesting, and you talk about rehearsal, in many ways, even unbelieving Jewish people are still rehearsing. Yeah. And the, what the, the part that in the modern Passover that points to Christ is around the unleavened bread. And they put three pieces of unleavened bread into one 
uh, what they call a matsatosh. It's a, it's a singular bag with three divisions. Now, with three pockets in it. Yeah, it? so it's a three yeah. in one. You mention that to any believer who's a Christian, they're like, oh, I can see what this is all about. This is this is yep. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And then they and then you, they take, remember, they're not believers. Out of the three in one, they take the middle matzah, which for us would represent the sun. They break it. This matzah is unleavened, striped, and pierced. Unleavened meaning, unleavened meaning without sin, because leaven is a is a exactly. is a type for sin. And matching with the prophecy of Isaiah, it's striped and it's pierced. All yep. speaking of Messiah, they break that into two parts, and then they wrap one part in a linen cloth. And hide it away for a period of time. They then send the children out later to look for this cloth. And they bring it out with great rejoicing and unwrap it to share it. And this is the time where Jesus took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. That's what's happening. It's so much like I don't know if you um, if you watch Marvel movies at all the the whole Avengers and uh, Captain America or you probably do don't you? Uh, yes, yeah. I have. I, yeah, I must good, confess, okay. I've seen some of those. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so, what comes up after the movie if you if you're on Google and Google News? What comes up are these little stories. What you missed right. in Endgame, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, what you didn't see yeah. was Captain Marvel's anger at Thanos. Now, the reason for that is because blah 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 and blah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 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 what what you're doing when you travel around and you you teach on these Passovers and things mm. and and the other things that you and I both do when we speak in the churches is it's like what you missed in the scriptures was this. Yes. Yeah. And this is why Paul talks about this in Romans 15 when he says that what the purpose of the scriptures of course when he's saying scriptures he's talking Old Testament. Yes. And and one of the key purposes that comes out of that passage is hope. Now, if you remove all of the Old Testament typologies, prophecies, which we can see so clearly fulfilled in Jesus' life and his first coming, then you've disconnected yourself from a whole lot of evidence, which is the basis for your hope. So that's that's not a good place to be. Because then when tough times come, what are you what are you founded on? Well, yeah. you're going to be much more likely to go, oh, look, this Christian thing, I don't get it. It's just I don't see the reality of it. Whereas we see if God's gone, tick, 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 all these promises so precisely fulfilled in the life of Jesus and his first coming. That tells us when we look at those other promises yet to be fulfilled, he's going to do exactly the same thing. And if yeah. Paul talks about this, and he says concerning Jesus that all the promises, all, that's 100%, all the promises of God find their yes and have that's in Christ Jesus. So that's, that's a powerful hope. And this yeah. is why you and I, we go around, we speak about the Passover and how it points to Jesus, because this is like a, a foundational piece of our faith that is the basis for our future hope for the things we know are going to happen. We just don't know when. If you get this and understand the symbols and the typology in this, then the rest of it will be so much easier for you. Similar exactly. to what Jesus said with the parable of the sower. You know, mm. if you understand this parable, all the rest of them, you go, ah, of course, now, now I know what he means by the, the coin that went missing and the, or the lamb sure. that went missing. Yeah. So we need to, uh, and, and I think it's not so much, I mean, we, we might have time to talk about this before we finish this podcast, but it's not so much for us 
celebrating the Passover. It's more understanding it as we celebrate it. And again, going back to what I said at the start, uh, the Jewish way of thinking about things is you understand things by doing it. And if you don't do it, you don't understand it. Yeah, I think one of the key things that Paul says about the feasts and so on is that the Passover, these other feasts, they are shadows and that Christ is the substance. So the way I try and explain this to people, I say, look, I don't know if you've ever done an artwork, you know, and you make a drawing. And, I, and, and if, if you have, then you might have seen or seen an artist do this where they add in the shadows. They, they, they put in the shadows. And what does that do? it makes it pop out of the, it goes from being sort of just a 2D flat thing to suddenly having depth and content. Yep. And so this is essentially what's happening with these Passovers. They, no, they're not an obligation for us as the, in the church as believers, but they are helpful. They're very helpful because they add depth of understanding in terms of who Jesus is, what he claimed and what he did and how that benefits us. So it's just all, it's not changing the picture by adding the shadows but it's bringing it to life. It's bringing it, making it more real and meaningful for myself as a believer. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day, a couple of guys talking um, on various different things. And we're not, we're not trying to uh, focus on Israel. We're not trying to focus on the feast. We're not trying to focus on Passover. We're wanting our focus to be on Jesus, whether you call him Jesus or you call him Yeshua or or, or whatever, Um, or as the Spanish call him, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, I love it when the Spanish pray, you know, you and I, we go, yes, Lord. And they go, oh, si, senor. It's just, (laughs) uh, but um, what these guys were saying, he says, imagine you're sitting at your desk, right? Nigel's sitting at his desk and on his desk is a photo or or a a drawing of your wife. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, and as you're doing your work, and you look over and you, at the drawing, and you go, "That's a very good drawing of my beautiful wife," you know. Um, and then the door to your office opens, and your wife walks in, and you keep looking at the photo or the drawing, going, "Wow, what a, you know." We yeah. don't want to do that. We want the drawing for us to the different things we 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 bring out. So the if you can use the analogy, the drawing keeps changing from a, a flat black and white outline to the shadows, to yeah. some color, yeah. to some depth, so that when your wife walks in, you go, my goodness, you are just so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what we want to do with this. We want people to focus on Jesus and Amen. see yeah. more and more and more of him. Absolutely. By looking into things like the Passover yes. and and doing the Passover things. Yes. So that you go, ah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it brings things to life. It's funny how some people don't understand that the Lord's Supper, the communion, whatever you want to call it, finds its basis out of the Passover. They, they yeah. don't get that. And I've done this sometimes. I've gone through a Passover. People, oh, I re- didn't realize that that's where the bread and the wine come out of. But, of course, it's very specific. As I said, the bready breaks is the Afikoman bread. This is the, the, the one that has been taken out, wrapped, hidden, rolled out, all speaking of Jesus. And then the cup he takes is the third cup of redemption. And these, all of these cups, um, they relate them back to Exodus chapter 6. Yep. Uh, and this particular cup, the cup of redemption, is I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And so essentially Jesus is saying, I'm going to provide through my blood shed on the cross redemption for all humanity, all who will receive by grace through faith 
the free gift of salvation they offer. And this is this is an amazing picture that we see here. And that's why he's telling us to do this until he comes. But again, look, it's not just looking back. It's looking no. And I think that's what the Israelites have missed uh, and the Jews have missed over the years is they are looking back to Passover. Yes. In, instead of looking forward to what well, the Passover They They foretold. do look forward to Elijah returning. But see, the, the issue is that they're seeing Messiah hasn't come yet. So they're waiting for his first coming. What we yeah. understand that, the, that Elijah comes before his second coming. So Elijah will come prior to the, 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 the revival of Messiah. Uh, but the, the key is we are, we are waiting till he comes again. And this is a very different coming than the first coming because the first coming, of course, he came to seek and save the lost. He came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, so he, he came almost unheralded, unknown. But the second coming, he comes as uh, the light of the world, literally, because there's darkness just before he arrives. And then when he arrives, he literally lights up the whole world. So this is this is a very very different arrival. But yeah. of course, don't forget, he promised his disciples that he was going to do a Passover with them again. When in the kingdom? In the kingdom. Now I wouldn't mind. Yeah, we missed that so much. I mean, yeah, the, I wouldn't the, mind the, um, feet at that Passover. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll happily wash the feet. You know, just to be there because imagine what a Passover that will be. You know. Yeah, uh, and I've just been reading that in, in Chronicles with Josiah's Passover, when Josiah cleansed the temple, and it says that a Passover like that was not held since the days of Samuel, yep. you know, which means even David and uh, Solomon, yep. and even Hezekiah, who, who celebrated a great Passover, even those paled compared to the one that Josiah had. Absolutely. Think about the Passover that Jesus is going to host. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. You know, it's going to be a mind-blowing. But uh, again, we when we look at those things in the millennium, and so w- what we're talking and we'll just very briefly say our our understanding is that at some point the rapture will occur. The Mm -hmm. church will be taken away to be with the Lord. There'll be the seven years of tribulation. Jesus will then come back to earth in what is known as the battle of Armageddon at the end of that. Then we have a thousand year reign of Jesus on the earth, the millennium during this time. Jesus will not only celebrate his Passover, but also in Ezekiel, it says that God says, I will have my Sabbaths back again. Yes. And, and, you know, the and people don't think well. about and the Feast of Tabernacle. People don't think about that. Yep. You know, oh, no, that's all Old Testament stuff again. Yeah. No, actually, God's pointing to the future. Yeah, because so yeah, for us as sorry, for exactly. us as, as as non-Jewish believers, we actually need to understand what God means by I will have my Sabbaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So this is all again, this is about um different ages. Of course, you know, he came to offer the kingdom, they rejected it the first time. Uh, we're now in a, in the, the mystery kingdom, so to speak, the church age. So when when he returns, of course, he's going to initiate, as you said, the messianic kingdom. And so therefore, things change when the king is on earth. Now, I'll give you an example. We here in New Zealand, we have a governor general, right? The governor general represents the monarch of the time, correct? But when the monarch actually arrives, things change. They do things differently than when they have the governor general, right? And they'll they'll up everything goes up several notches in terms of what they do and how they do it. The the, the officialness, the formalities, all go much much higher. And this is effectively what we're seeing when Christ returns. These things now have greater significance because He is here. The Lamb of God is here on earth. The one who enabled us to tabernacle with God, to be with God, to be to be present in His presence is here. So now. They all make sense. They all have a purpose. 
because they are pointing to the King of Kings. And yeah. we'll be rejoicing as we, you know, as you and I participate in the tabernacles and the various other things, we'll be like, yeah, go God. You're mm-hmm. awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole thing with looking at the, the old Testament, the Tanakh, the feasts, etc., is for our enjoyment of Messiah to mm. be enhanced. Absolutely. Not not yeah. just for our understanding to be, you know, not, not, not so that you get a PhD in understanding <laughs> the Old Testament. It's so that your enjoyment of Messiah yeah. is enhanced. That's true. Yeah. Um, the one of the things that uh, people ask about is the bitter herbs. Sure. So the the yeah. lamb was taken in. We'll go, mm-hmm. Just to go back to Passover. The lamb was taken in, uh, and it was to be roasted with bitter herbs. Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, what, what, the, what's the, the bitter herbs all about? Um, well, in the context of the the original Exodus, this is a reference to the bitterness, the bondage of slavery, and of course, in a, in the salvation image that we're looking at here, essentially what Christ or what God, uh, Jesus did on the cross was he took the bitterness. The, 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 the judgment, the wrath of God on himself so that we wouldn't have to. So just as in the Exodus account, the lamb died so that the firstborn didn't, in the same context, Jesus died so that we don't have to. But we have to apply his blood to our lives. So just as they had to apply the blood to their, their houses, they have, we had to apply the blood to our lives. And one in context of the bitter herbs, this is recognition, recognition of what Jesus did and why he did it. He did it because I'm a sinner. There's a bitterness there. And I look back on my life and I know about you, but I, there's things I regret in my life. I look back and I see the impact that sin has had on some of the decisions I've made. Yeah. And so in a sense, I now have hope because without Christ, all I would face is judgment for that. It's all I would have ahead of me. It's just judgment. But with Christ having died, having paid the price, having shed his blood, now I have freedom. Now I have life. So the bitterness is about recognition. It's recognizing what Christ had to do. And this is why he tells us as believers to do this as in take the bread, take the wine until I come. It's about remembering. It's about keeping in mind, as you said, the most important thing. And that's a who, not a what. Yeah, Jesus. the um, mind uh, who he is. When I pastored the Caddy Caddy Christian Center for a while, we started different people within the fellowship um, facilitating communion for us, as opposed to one person doing it all the time. And um, I remember Michael Pavlitich the first time he did it, and it was great because he he opened it up for me after you know after well, for me after many years as a Christian. But he says what Jesus says at that uh, that Last Supper is do this in remembrance of me. Mm. You've been doing this for nearly 1500 years in (laughs) remembrance of Moses and the Exodus. Absolutely. Yeah. Now do it in remembrance of Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, he, he offers the sop, which would have probably contained the bitter herbs to Judas. Now, when he did that, that was actually a sign of honor. So in the Passover ceremony, he's quite aware of Jesus, Judas's intentions to betray him. Right? He knows what's going on. Yeah. But he offers them that sop. That's quite close to before when Jesus, Judas will leave. And it's like a last chance. It's like either you take this and exit into darkness, or 
I take this and you enter into life. Okay. And what did he? I don't, I don't know about the last chance for Judas because to me the last chance is when he see in the garden when he says, "Are you going to betray me with a kiss?" Right. There was, but I, but I, guess, I haven't I haven't understood what you're just saying there. So say that again. So he's the, the well, sop represents in the, in, in the context of the Passover at least. This is his last yep. chance because what happens after that? Satan enters into him. Okay. Yeah. And he departs, and John puts the fact that he goes out into darkness, which is an unnecessary statement to make. Because it was already nighttime. Passover has always happened at nighttime, right? In the Jewish yeah. context. Why would you say that? Well, he's saying it because it's a spiritual relevance. He's heading into dark. Satan has entered into him. He is now heading out into darkness. Yeah, one of John's sub-themes is the light and dark. So when he offers him the sop, he is trying to give him a last chance opportunity in the context of that Passover, at least, to choose Jesus over the betrayal opportunity, over money, basically. He's he's like, I stay here, I miss out on my opportunity to get my get my money, you know. And I think he was also hoping to sort of force Jesus' hand, you know. In a best yeah. case scenario, he was thinking if Jesus will have to take over, he'll have to take power, and then I get even more money, you know. But in this context, Jesus is looking at his heart and he's going, You have a choice here. Stay with me. I'm I'm showing my love for you. Yep. You reciprocate and show that you love me. So the sop would have been dipped into the bitter herbs. What? That's into the bitter herbs. herbs. And and some say it might have had a bit of the lamb on it as well. It's actually, you know, you, you heard of the sandwich, and that's a tribute yeah. to Lord Sandwich. I'm afraid he was well predated by the Passover <laughs> sandwich. By the real Lord. Yeah, yeah. And, and they made sandwiches out of the part out of the matzah with the with bits of um, the bitter herbs and so on in between. And this it's is essentially sim- what he similar made. to what the Indians do when the, with the Indian meals, you mix it all around with the hand and 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 take it. So so what Jesus has got, he's got this sop with possibly the lamb dipped in the bitter herbs. Yeah, and the matzah. And what he's saying to Jews, Judas is, uh, I can take this. Or you can take it. Yeah. What's your choice? Well, and also he's trying to honor him. He's trying to connect with him and saying, look, this is your chance to show that you love me. I'm showing I love you. I'm giving you this. You know this only goes to the honored guest. So the celebrant would be the one who would choose a person. And I give it to you. I, I'm honoring you. So he's showing he loves Judas. Yep. And Judas has this chance. Hey, I can look. I can give up. I can forgo the money. I can I can turn away from a path of bitterness, which for Judas, there's no repentance from this path. Yeah. He, he will end up going into darkness, literally, spiritually. Or he can stay where Jesus is, where, where the light is, not go into the darkness. He can repent and change. Let's talk to somebody who is either watching this or listening to this at the moment and just say, Jesus offers exactly the same thing to you as he's offered it to Nigel and to me. And the chances to to make that decision just because you are in the middle of whatever you're in the middle of doesn't mean you have to stay there. I remember Nigel one time, uh, I don't know if you remember Jim Stinton on Radio Rima, and Jim used to do a night talkback show. And this young fellow rang up, and, and Jim was talking about sex as a Christian and stuff. And he says, look, he says, I've been sleeping with my girlfriend. He says, um, what should we do? And Jim goes, stop. <laughs> and he goes, but the, the young fellow goes, oh, can you do that? <laughs> you know, because you think, well, we've all, we've already started doing the wrong thing. Can we, 
you know, can we stop doing the wrong thing? And, and again, just talking to whoever's watching or listening, yep. yes, yes, you can stop. You can make that decision and say, no more. And, and you might say in yourself, and you'd be right, I can't do this on my own. There's no, no way. And Jesus is there. And Jesus is saying, let me take the song. Exactly. Let me take it. You change your mind, repent is the word, turn a 180 degree turnaround. Yep or to 90 degree turnaround, face the other <laughs> way and say, I will let Jesus take this absolutely. for me. Yeah. Right. And that's, that, that's the offer that he gives to absolutely. each and every one of us. And this is the critical decision that um, I guess is not just, you know, in that Passover, but in every person's life is that Jesus is making an offer. And, and one of the things I, I don't know if you've come across this, but I often hear people say, oh, your message is so intolerant because you only have one way. But I, I switch it around. I say, actually, it's one of the most inclusive messages that has ever been given. Because yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you had. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't even matter what you've done in the past. And there could be horrific crimes. Christ can give forgiveness for all of those things if you're willing to accept him by grace through faith. Now, that's a pretty inclusive message. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, yeah. there's very few barriers there apart from possibly being old enough to understand that there's yep. a gift and you need to receive it. I think there's a verse that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son <laughs> that whosoever, absolutely, exactly. whosoever believeth in him, and whosoever includes everybody. Exactly. It's so inclusive. And, it's, and the cool thing is it's so simple, but so profound. I mean, we're not talking cheap here. We're talking immense cost on God's side. You know, the cost on Jesus yeah. was huge when he's on that cross and his blood is being shed. And, you know, all of these things are happening. This is this is significant cost. Uh, but the reality is he's not charging out for that on us. Yeah. He's taking yeah. it on himself. Uh, again, that links his final statements. One of them, it's finished. You know, tetelestai, actually in Greek, uh, it means paid in full. And so when this is why you're pointing at is the last words of Jesus on the cross. It oh, is yeah, finished. Yeah, Tetelestai yeah. in, in oh, the Greek. Yeah. What, I think you might've said father into your hands. I commit my spirit after yeah. that, but essentially it's one of the last phrases he says on the cross. And so he's playing paid in full. So when it comes to this Passover message, when we put our faith in Christ, like these, the people of Israel did, they put their faith in God and they obeyed and they, did what he told them to do. He protected them. We don't yeah. hear of, oh, these guys did it but didn't get protected. No. In every case, what God says he will do. And in fact, if the Egyptians had done it, yeah. Yeah. they would have been protected. Yes, exactly. So this is the interesting thing. It's 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 about it's not about the who, but the what. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, you, the who is inclusive of everybody. It's the what. Yeah. What do you believe, and, and and what do you believe in terms of your salvation, your uh, means of obtaining eternal life? And this is the key. See, Jesus offers a secured eternal life, and the, and this is in First John it talks about, and this is His promise, eternal to us, eternal life. It's just two words, yeah. full stop. There's no sub clauses. There's no legal, <laughs> you know, answers. Yeah. It's His promise, eternal life. And we know that all the promises are fulfilled in Christ and God is, is 
always yeah. fulfills his promises. It's interesting with the with the build up to that first Passover and the the, the, the nine plagues that went before though, because we yes. know that for the for those that didn't apply the blood on their door posts and lintels, the firstborn uh, in the household died. Yes, but in yep. the build up to that, what God is doing and what people fail to see often is that he is systematically going through the gods of Egypt and Absolutely. Egypt, a type, a type of the world yes. the, that we live in, yep. um, but the ruling power at the time. So God is going through 10 of their gods yes. and yes. showing that he is more powerful than those gods. Absolutely. And he then starts, he starts off and the magicians of Egypt can, can, do the similar, the first two, but then he starts doing stuff that the magicians of Egypt can't do. And then he starts separating his people from, yes. so, you know, how do you stop flies from flying into one part of Egypt, but not the <laughs> other, but he does it. How can you have light in one part, but yep. not and darkness in another, but he does it to prove that he is the God of gods. Absolutely. He is above all. He's not just better than he is so much more different than, and then he says to his people, okay, now that I have shown you, even though you're my people, mm. now that I have shown you that I am the God of gods, yes. let me redeem you through this thing, which we will call the Passover. Yeah. Well, it's interesting on that, on that 10th and final, um, as you said, each of them speaks to a different God, but in the 10th one, there, there's sort of every, different kind of false God is sort of covered in a way. Um, and basically in, in Exodus chapter 12, he actually states that he's going to pass through the land, strike the firstborns on, but he's going to, he's going to bring a judgment on not only man and beast, but all the gods of Egypt. Yes. So he specifically states this. So what we see here is a hidden spiritual battle that's occurring. And it's interesting because the three gods that we can, I can, you know, there might have been more, but there's three at least that relate to this 10th plague. And the first one is a particular god that they have who's a deity. It would be like, I guess, in our concept, we would think a demonic type force. But the second one was the Apis bull. So that's an animal. And the firstborn of that animal would have died in this judgment. Yes. That was a very, that was a sacred animal that was seen and it was deified. But also Pharaoh. Pharaoh was deified as a man. So you have an animal that's deified, you have a man that's deified. Both of their firstborns would have been killed. So the Apis yes. that they, they revered, they worshipped, would have died. The firstborn son of Pharaoh, who they revered and worshipped. Who would have been Pharaoh after him. Yes. And technically for the Egyptians, exactly. the god of life. He dies. So this is very much a, a clear indication by God that no matter your false God, he's in control. Yeah. And, and there is only one way. Absolutely. There's only, you know, there's, and, and you, you got to choose that one way. Yep. It's through the blood of the lamb and only through the blood of the lamb that redemption is obtained. And I mean, Peter talks about this, you know, he talks about that you know, you've been not been redeemed with sort of rubbish stuff but with the blood of the lamb. He's, he's very clear on that. Um, actually, Paul talks about that as well, that he said Christ is our Passover. He specifically states that Christ is our Passover. And John, of course, John 5, it's all about the lamb of God. But in John uh, Revelation 12, it talks about the blood of the lamb. So this is a, this is a very real uh, thing in terms of the spiritual impact, not just for those in Egypt, but for us as believers today, the spiritual impact of that blood that Jesus shed on the cross 
is life-changing from darkness to light from lost to found and so on you make all the comparisons you like so this is why the passover thing is so significant and why it's so helpful as you mentioned earlier why it's so helpful for us as believers to understand it to be aware of it because it connects us back to who jesus was prophesied to be all the types concerning jesus and therefore we you and i we can have a certain hope. Often we think hope is like a, yeah, maybe, maybe. But in this context of the spiritual hope, it's a certainty. It's not yeah. a matter of if God's going to do this. It's a matter of when. when. Yeah, because for the, the, again, the Jewish understanding of hope is where it's dependent upon the person that promises not on the person that's waiting. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, Christ, our Passover, that goes back to Abraham with Isaac and God will provide himself the lamb. Exactly. Yeah. Revelation, Jesus is called the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And we need to reiterate that, that, that Jesus dying on the cross was never God's second choice. No. That was the plan before he created anything. The plan was always for Jesus to die. The question is, why? Because that's the redemption price for you and me mm. to spend eternity with him. Yes. yeah. And so that's why we go from the line drawing picture yeah. on the desk to looking at Jesus and well, going, Paul, wow. Paul, yeah. And what Paul says, you know, one day we as believers, we will see him face to face. Face to face. Now, I mean, you know, this is now we see in a mirror dimly. And of course, in those days, mirrors were not like our mirrors today. They were quite sort of, quite sort of distorted and very difficult to see. Yeah. So he was really saying, look, it's it's sort of a, uh, it's like someone without glasses, you know, it's sort of out of focus. It's a bit foggy, but then we're going to see him face to face. And I, and one of the things that I, I often reflected on, I was, I was thought when I get to heaven, you know, whether we're talking about Passover or whatever, would I have all of these questions uh, that I'd have to ask him. And I, and I begin to think that maybe I won't. Why? Because he is the truth. Yeah. And when I stand before him, all truth will be evident because I won't be. In I think that'll be evidence. so disappointing though. I mean, you, you, want, you want to have the question. Oh, Jesus want to go. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. They'll all be answered. Right. Because yeah. he's, he'll be there. And, and it's like, I won't need to ask the questions because Jesus will be there. You know, yeah. he is, he has the answers. And now I can see that in reality. It's not just a theological thing I sort of have to work through and stuff. It's my now, now it becomes my present reality. So the Passover, ultimately, if you think about it, where it finishes up in the Messianic kingdom, it's again in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. He's here. Uh, it's, We're with him. If we look at, if we look at our understanding uh, again from 2000 years of uh, replacement theology, where we're, you know, we were taught incorrectly that the church replaced Israel, right. um, where we haven't had any of this teaching really for a couple of thousand years. We look at that as the, as the tarnished brass or bronze mirror, right? And we can look at the Passover as that and go, actually, mm. yeah, I can see how that could look quite nice. So we say, well, actually, let's get some brasso. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> polish that up, yeah. right? Yeah, so that now it. we look, yeah, now that we look at it, you know, through through people like yourself that go around and and and, and Scott Brown and others that yep. go around and do the the Christ and the Passover meals. Now we look at that bronze mirror and we go, ah, oh, that looks really nice. That's a nice picture that yeah. I see. Yeah. And then Jesus one day is going to say, 
turn around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we'll put the mirror down and we will just be blown away. Nigel, That's thank it. you so much for your time. It's well, been great. We'll have to do this again. All the best for your Passover um, thank you. uh, meals and, and celebrations. And uh, we'll see you somewhere when we see you somewhere. Okay. God bless everybody. Right. See ya.